Part two, chapter three of Our Own Set by Ossip Shubin, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part two, chapter three. The three days have gone by in which Trin had desired his cousin to make up his mind. Three days since the sudden descent of Baroness Volnitska scared away the sweet vision that till then had dwelt in Sempali's soul and checked the declaration actually on his lips, but he has not yet requested to be removed from Rome. Trin's eye has been upon him all through these three days has constantly met his own with grave questioning as though to say have you decided no he had not decided to a man like sempali there is nothing in the world so difficult as a decision fate decides for him he for himself never his encounter with the preposterous baroness might silence the avowal he was on the verge of uttering but it was not so powerful as to banish zinka's image once and for all from his mind the silly old woman's chatter he had by this time forgotten the stornelli that zinka had been singing still rang in his ears for two days he had had the resolution to avoid the palazzetto but he had seen zinka for a moment by accident yesterday on the corso she was in the carriage with marie volpini she had on a grey velvet dress and a broad-brimmed mousquetaire hat that threw a shadow on her forehead and her golden-brown hair she held a large bouquet of flowers and was chatting merrily with the little vulpinis and gabrielle Trin. what pretty merry ways she had with children his blood fired in his veins as their eyes met and she blushed as she returned his bow it was the first time she had blushed at seeing him all that night he dreamt the wildest dreams and now he was taking a solitary early walk in the spring sunshine on the pincio lost in thought but snapping the twigs as he passed along to vent his irritation more and more he felt that marriage with zinka was a sine qua non of his existence he had never in his life denied himself a pleasure and now the brilliant march sun flooded the piazza di spagna the waters of the baracaccia sparkled and danced reflecting the radiant blue sky against which the towers of the trinita del monte stood out sharp and clear all over the shallow steps of the church models were lounging in the regulation peasant costumes and blind beggars incessantly muttering their prayers in front of the hotel de l'europe the cab-drivers were sweetly slumbering under the huge patched umbrellas stuck up behind their coach-boxes for protection against the sun or rain flower-sellers were squatted on every doorstep and here and there sat a brown-eyed snub-nosed white pomeranian dog the piazza was swarming with tourists and beatrice di cenci gazed with the saddest eyes in the world out of a photographer's shop at the motley crowd and bustle siegburg in happy unconsciousness of coming evil had just come out of laws the money-changers 
and was inhaling with peculiar satisfaction the delicious pervading scent of hyacinths when his eye was accidentally attracted by the fine figure of a young english woman who passed him in a closely fitting jersey he was still watching her when a harsh voice close to him exclaimed good morning count what luck he turned around and recognized under a vast shady hat the broad dark face of the baroness wolnitzka though the day was splendidly fine she had on that most undressed of garments originally meant as a protection against rain but subsequently adopted to conceal every conceivable defect of costume and long since known to the mocking youth of paris as a cache-misere or to render it freely a slut-cover and though the pavement was perfectly dry under this waterproof she held up the gown it hid so high that her white feet in their untidy boots with elastic sides were plainly displayed ah baroness he said lifting his hat i really did not no you did not recognize me she said calmly that was why i spoke to you what luck but you are in the embassy too certainly that is the very thing i have a request to make then my daughter is most anxious to have an audience of his holiness slava you must know is a fervent catholic though between you and me it is a mere matter of fashion now i for my part take a philosophical view of religious matters at the same time i should be very much interested in seeing the pope but the pope is unfortunately more inaccessible than ever said siegburg besides as i do not belong to the papal embassy i cannot i regret to say give you the smallest assistance that is what my nephew says it is disastrous positively disastrous at this moment slava joined them emerging from pilale's library in an eccentric directoire costume with a peaked hat and feather and a pair of gloves no longer clean drawn far up over her elbows ah good morning said she offering the count her finger-tips while matuschowski who was in attendance sulkily bowed by this time siegburg hemmed in on all sides began to think the situation unpleasant it is so delightful to meet with a fellow-countryman in a foreign land slava began quite delightful replied siegburg thinking to himself how am i to get out of this when suddenly the absurdity of the thing came upon him afresh for he heard the baroness once more good morning count what luck and at the same moment she bore down on no less a man than sempali who had just come down the sunlit steps and was crossing the piazza lost in sullen meditation i beg your pardon he muttered somewhat startled i really did not recognize you and he gazed helplessly into the distance as though he looked for a rescue but the baroness went on i am so delighted to have met you i have a particular request to make could you not procure me admission to the farnesina the duke di ripalda is said to be all-powerful i am sorry to say it is quite im but at this instant a party of foreigners caught sempali's eye two young ladies with a maid the two girls tall and straight as pine trees 
both remarkably handsome and dressed in neatly fitting english linen dresses were eagerly bargaining with an italian who had embroidered cambric trimmings for sale and they seemed to think it a delightful adventure to buy something in the street two charming girls surely i know them cried madame volnitska are they not the jatinskys one of the young ladies looking up called out nicky nicky half across the piazza with the frank audacity of people who have grown up in the belief that the world was created expressly for their use excuse me said sempaly with a bow to the baroness my cousins and without more ado he made his escape how long have you been here where are you staying we arrived this morning hotel de londres mamma wrote to you at once to the embassy ah here is another austrian for siegburg had contrived to join them rome is but a suburb of vienna after all but tell me who on earth were that old fortune-teller and her extraordinary daughter to whom you were both devoting yourselves so attentively the volnitsky trio had in the meantime moved away the baroness very gracious slava very haughty as became the living representative of the apollo belvedere passed the two handsome girls and down the via condotti suddenly baroness volnitska stopped i quite forgot to ask count sempaly to get me an invitation to the international artists festival she exclaimed striking her forehead and she promptly turned about evidently intending to repair the omission only matuschowski's decided interference preserved sempaly from her return to the charge the scene is now the pincio between five and six in the afternoon the hour when the band plays every day on the great terrace while the crowd collects to watch the sunset behind st peter's the reflection of the glow gilds the gravel glints from the lace on the uniforms and the brass instruments and throws golden sparks on the water in the wide basin behind the bandstand the black shadows rapidly lengthen on the grass and the palmettos yuccas and evergreen oaks stand out in rich deep tones against the sky that fades from crimson to salmon and grey a special set of visitors haunt the shady side of the pincio not the fashionable world governesses and nurses with their charges and priests priests of every degree the illustrious monsignori with their finely chiselled features their upright bearing and their elegant hands monks with their bearded faces comfortably framed in their cowls and whole regiments of priestlings from the seminaries in their uniforms of every hue lank lean figures with sallow unformed features separated from these only by a leafy screen the beauty and fashion of rome drive up and down the residents in handsome private carriages the foreigners in hired vehicles of varying degrees of respectability or even in the humble one-horse hackney cab the crowd grows denser every minute as the stream of roman rank and wealth swells along the via borghese across the piazza del popolo and up the hill on the top of the pincio the carriages come to a standstill gentlemen on foot gather around them 
bowing and smiling the ladies talk across from one victoria to another all sorts of trivial small talk unintelligible to the uninitiated up from the gardens which line the road from the via Magutta comes a fragrance of budding and growing spring down below lies rome and lording it grandly over the labyrinthine mass of houses and ruins solemn and severe its crown touched by the last rays of vanished sun stands st peter's Countess ilsenberg's carriage was drawn up side by side with that of princess vulpini the newly arrived party of the jatinskys was divided between them the countess mother reclining indolently with a gracious smile on her lips by the side of countess ilsenberg while the princess had undertaken to chaperon the young ladies on the front seat by his cousin eugenie nini they called her sat sempali siegburg was leaning over the carriage door talking all sorts of nonsense and relating all the gossip of rome that was fit for maiden ears to the two newcomers they infinitely amused laughed till their simple merriment infected even sempali who had taken the seat coveted of all the golden youth of rome the seat next his beautiful cousin in a very gloomy and taciturn humour presently there was an evident sensation among the public every one was looking in the same direction what is happening asked polysena the elder of the two jatinska girls it must be the doria's new drag or the king said princess vulpini screwing up her short-sighted eyes no said siegburg looking back neither it is baroness volnitska and in fact madame sterzl's pretty landau which she had placed at the disposal of her sister for the afternoon was coming up the road in it the volnitskas mother and daughter both in their finest array slava was leaning back elegantly languid while her mother stood up in the carriage and surveyed the world of rome through an opera-glass from time to time either to rest or because she suddenly lost her balance she sat down and then she filled up her time by examining every detail of the trimming and lining of the landau it was this singular demeanour combined with her very conspicuous person that attracted so much attention to the Stetzel's vehicle an attention which both mother and daughter of course ascribed to slava's extraordinary resemblance to the belvedere apollo baroness volnitska the wonderful old woman we saw with you yesterday in the piazza di spagna cried polysena yes only think nicky she went on to sempali mamma knows her who is it that i know asked her mother from the other carriage baroness volnitska mamma do you see her out there heaven preserve me exclaimed the countess fervently i do not feel secure of my life when i'm near her she fell upon me to-day in the villa volkonsky how on earth do you happen to know the old woman aunt asked sempali irritably oh my husband had some political connection with hers the countess explained she is not to be born she stuck to me like a leech for half an hour your conversation must have been very interesting said siegburg 
"'It did not interest me,' replied the Countess rather sharply. "'She told me how much her journey had cost her, what she pays a day for the carriage hire, and that when she was young she had singing lessons of Sisimara. And she chatted endlessly about her sister Sterzel, who is living here in the first style and knows absolutely none but the creme de la creme. You laugh!' well mamma you must confess that the association of such a name as sterzl with the cream of society is irresistibly funny cried polissena it was anything rather than funny to me said the countess ruefully by the way though she did tell me one thing that her niece zenaid sterzl well what is there to laugh at now zenaid sterzl the name is a poem in itself cried polissena it is as though an English woman were named Belinda Brown, or a French girl called Roxalane Dubois. Well, it seems from what the old woman told me that the fair Zenaide is about to relinquish the graceless name of Sterzl for one of the noblest names in Austria. That is the old idiot's story. It has not yet been made public, so she could not tell me the bridegroom's name, but Zenaide is as good as betrothed to young Count, an attaché to the Austrian embassy who on earth could it be you ought to know ah ah is it you said polissena turning to siegburg but siegburg shook his head stroking his yellow moustache to conceal a malicious smile as he watched sempali's conspicuous annoyance or is it you nicky the young countess went on i congratulate you on marrying into such a delightful family but such a marked effect of embarrassment was produced by her speech that she was suddenly silent i know nothing of it said sempaly with a gloomy scowl that old chatterbox's imagination is positively stupendous the play of light on the gold lace of the uniforms and the brass instruments is fast fading away and the sheen of the glossy-leaved evergreens is almost extinct grandio morirsi giovane is the tune the band is playing the sun is down the day is dead night shrouds the scene the only colour left is a dull glow behind st peter's like a dying fire at the ellis's this evening siegburg calls out to the ladies as he lifts his hat and turns away the carriages make their way down the hill past the villa medici back into rome and their steady roar is like that of a torrent rushing to join the sea. End of part two, chapter three.